the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bernie Sanders is an idiot. I think he's also a communist. Uh, Sunday night on 60 Minutes, he doubled down on his claim that he was excited about the Cuban Revolution and Fidel Castro. He said uh, that Fidel created a great literacy program for the kiddies down there after he took over. Of course, he killed some of their fathers in firing squads, too. It's really hard to believe that anybody that stupid has become the front runner for the Democratic nomination for president. Uh, living in America in the 20th century and becoming a fan of communist countries is actually stupid beyond belief. But what's really scary is that there are people actually voting for Bernie Sanders as we speak. When we come back, we'll talk to a woman who went to school during Fidel Castro's literacy program. She has some things to say to Bernie. I think you'll be interested in hearing what she has to say. Stick around. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRSPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Obamacare, Trump Care, ACA, COBRA. There are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind. Expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years. Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. Todd Marley at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. We make the Solaire Infrared Grills, those amazing gas grills that heat up to over 1,000 degrees in just three minutes to provide professional chef quality performance in your own backyard. Now, you won't find them in the big box stores. Solaire is sold only by the finest specialty retailers who recognize Solaire as the only real hot, fast grill. If you live in an area without a Solaire dealer, Solaire has the demo program where you can try a mini version of a full-size grill in your own backyard, grilling the foods you love. It's made with the same design, materials, components, and performance of the big Solaires, but in a size Solaire can easily ship to you. Try before you buy so you'll know firsthand why Solaire is the last grill you'll ever purchase. Learn more about the demo program and these fantastic USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com, BestHotGrill.com. What is it costing you in vet bills for that convenience of just pulling open a bag of formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits? That costs a ton of money anyways. How do you feed your dog to derive not only energy, but a good coat, bright eyes, and a great attitude? Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
I found his raw meat diet on Dynavite.com. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and the Super Omega on top of it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free. Ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells, and the Dynavite supplement, and then the Lico Chops. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. Get one free. It just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. Adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. Their skin is so much better now that they're on the raw diet. I don't even give them the kibble anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Once again, Bernie Sanders is an idiot, and he's a useful idiot if you're a communist. He's been one for a long time, and he proved it again Sunday night when he said on 60 Minutes that Fidel Castro wasn't all that bad. He said that Fidel had a great literacy program. That caught the attention of Fabriola Santiago of the Miami Herald, who lived the first 10 years of her life there before she escaped. Fabriola joins us now. Fabiola, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, John. So your picture uh, as a third grader in Cuba is at the top of your column. The headline reads, I went to school in Cuba under Castro. Here's what it's like, Bernie Sanders. So what was it like? I mean, you wrote about it in the column. That's why I called you. Yeah. Well, you know, it was um, it was actually a, a very different experience from what an American child uh, goes through. Um, my angst was the angst of a child living in days of political upheaval. It was a very divided country uh, with people who supported um, Fidel Castro's revolution, people who were on the sidelines, a little bit horrified, but a little bit hopeful, and people who were completely and utterly against everything that was going on. And uh, I think the background to it is that in, in 1965, you know, when Fidel Castro took over, he began nationalizing a lot of wealth, a lot of things um, that were big, big, uh, big items. Um, but by 1965, he was confiscating uh, small businesses like my father's. And, um, and so for me, the experience of going to school was that of a child whose parents were seen as, as dissidents, right? As, um, they, even though they were never political, they, they didn't go for one government or the other. They were just normal ordinary people they wanted freedom um, well they had freedom mm-hmm. they had freedom you know that's one of the great misconceptions is that somehow cuba was this backward um you know poor f- country and and nothing could be far from the truth um what there was was political corruption and that political corruption came with political assassinations um, so the Batista regime was, was cruel, was, you know, he ruined the country with his coup of 1952, and, and he uh, obliterated, in, in essence, democracy in Cuba. Um, but by Fidel's standards, you know, now he's like a babe in the woods, right? And, and so when, when Fidel rose to power, he promised social justice, he promised access to things for the poor. He promised all the things that now are echoing in America. And what he delivered was disastrous, was disastrous. And what I write in my column is that story, but from the point of view of the little girl that I was back then. Mm-hmm. And, and so that story is that uh, I went to a school that was confiscated by the government, just like my father's little business. And um, I was the daughter of a beloved and respected teacher who was forced to resign over her refusal to teach communist dogma to her students. And uh, my father, after his business was confiscated and he refused to um, work it for the state as an employee of the state, he was sent to the agricultural fields as punishment. And so from that point on, everyone in town knew that my family was leaving the country. And um, I was, I was, and we were branded gusano swarms. You know, the this term that that you know is meant to dehumanize and demean you. But you know, in school, I was surrounded by my wonderful friends. I, you know, I I was pretty much a happy child, and uh, I was 
very smart, and I was number one in the honor roll. And, and so one day the principal insisted that I wear the state-mandated red scarf of the, uh, of the communist youth organization called Los Pioneros. And, you know, my parents refused. My mother was called in for a conference, and then they, were, they argued very vehemently. And the sort of uh, compromise was that the price for not wearing the, we called them, pañoletas, was being knocked down to second place uh, for my lack of revolutionary spirit. So she took me off the number one spot in the honor roll, and she gave it to a boy who was eager and loyal, pionerito. And just, you know, the pionerito is what Elian Gonzalez ended up being many, many decades later, right? Um, and I don't know if you've seen some of the things out of Cuba where he talks almost like a robot about the revolution and puts forth all the propaganda points, whatever it is at the moment. So, but as a girl, you know, I was sad to lose my place and, you know, I had worked hard for it. And, and I kind of liked the scarf and everyone got to wear it except for me and my little brother. And, you know, um, it, it, was, it was just sad. It was, it was sad because it created division within children. And uh, as I say in the column, you know, as the years wore on, um, I learned to deal with the communist indoctrination. You know, my parents were always giving me the other side at home, um, always warning me not to talk about our politics in school. So, for example, when I was asked to write um, a glowing essay on Fidel Castro, I wrote biography, just complete, thorough biography, but never like a glowing appraisal. Um, and, and I think it's, it's because truly, when I was 10 years old, which is when I left Cuba in 1969 on a freedom flight, I think I knew more at 10 than Bernie Sanders knows at 678. <laughs> and you're not running for president. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Lucky for everyone, I wasn't born in this country. I'm not eligible. <laughs> well, I, I, want, I, I only have a limited amount of time here, and I want to make sure I get to this. Sure. This, this is what, as I was reading the column and reading the story that you just told about the, what happened to you in school and what happened to your mm -hmm. parents, um, mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me... When when you say that your your father was sent to the fields to be punished to the, the agricultural fields, how did mm -hmm. that go down? Did, did did the police show up at the house and and cart him away, or how, how did I mean? And what what how did your parents have the courage to do that? Weren't people being taken to and uh, put in, put in front of firing squads back then? Well, yes, that was early on in the in the revolution. Um, yes, early on in the early early. 60s before before 65 when his business confiscated yes the closest associates of of Batista or people who were just suspected not even uh were put through these summary uh trials that were just mock trials you know no no defense mounted just summary trials and then they were put before the firing squad and executed and um and so that's how they got rid of the hardcore opposition and uh, then they started closing newspapers and and tv stations and taking over the radio the radio stations everything they took over the media you know it all began with the criticism of the media which is another thing that alarms me about these days in this country because that's how it began he you know fidel began giving speeches about you know how how inappropriate the coverage was and how inappropriate or how partisan or whatever and to you know shortly down the line he was exiling writers um so my parents took the their stand um was based on principle and they weren't flashy about it they fought for their kids to to remain faithful to to what they felt was right and yes they ran risks um and and the um the whole, the whole ordeal of you know being sent to work in the agriculture fields was something they established. It was process. It was process. It didn't require the milicianos to burst in, which they did when when our turn to leave Cuba um, came up. They simply burst in. I remember this clearly. They you know knocked on the door, burst in, and said, you know, pick up uh, a couple of things, and you've been approved to leave, and you're leaving the country today. Wow. Spend you know, that, that, and, and that was it. But, um, yeah, and 
but you know, these things don't just happen like from one day to the other. There's a whole process mm -hmm. that takes place, and that's why it alarms me so much. Um, and I wrote this column because I felt that uh, that Bernie Sanders was handed on a silver platter by Anderson Cooper in the 60 Minutes interview the chance to update his views from the 1960s when, you know, the whole world was sort of excited about the Cuban Revolution. And all he did was, you know, essentially validate them, essentially continue to, to peddle the line that the Cuban education system is marvelous. And I wanted to illustrate sort of, you know, give my my very personal experience and testimony of what it was like because it hasn't changed. Yep. Because what I, you know, what I've heard from other people is that it is still that way. You, you know, you children are still measured in school by their allegiance to the political system. And that is just, you know, in my view, abusive to children. Well, so, um, uh, back in 2016, after Fidel Castro died, a campus reform a website went to American University and they asked college students, who did they think was worse, Donald Trump or Fidel Castro? And here are some of the responses. I want you to listen to some if you can. Here you go. Do you have a more favorable opinion of Fidel Castro or Donald Trump? That's a tough question. <laughs> that is a tough question. Um... I mean, right now, I'm not, I don't think Donald Trump is very good, and I know that Fidel Castro has done some good things for the world, so I'd say he's proven himself, at least in the long term. That is a tough question. Okay. Um, I, would, I would say, like, at this very moment, I have um, a better opinion of Fidel Castro. Uh, if it's anything like, if his uh, administration is anything like he said it will be, then I think that Fidel Castro will absolutely have been a better leader to the Cuban people than Trump will be to the U.S. just based on his statements alone. I feel that he really changed Cuba in so many ways that really made possibilities for the Cuban people nearly endless. Uh, we're talking to Fabiola Santiago, who wrote a great column in the Miami Herald today about this. She uh, was in Cuba as a third grader, and uh, pictures right there on the, at the top of the column, and she lived this. So I want to ask you, uh, Fabiola, setting aside your feelings about Donald Trump, just what's your reaction to what the, the college students have, what their impressions are of Fidel Castro and what happened in Cuba and what's still happening there? Well, that is naive, silly. Um, you know, just like it's silly to wear a Che Guevara T-shirt mm -hmm. when you're when what you're wearing is the photo of an assassin of a person who who murdered people um, without a, you know sentenced them to death without a proper trial um, and and who delighted in it. You know, they are they're basically uh, in favor of homophobes. You know, that's what they are. Uh, che Guevara was a very famous homophobe. And they don't know what it is that they're standing up for. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to be misleading in that I detest Donald Trump. I think he's terrible for this country. And I think that we have Bernie Sanders because we have Donald Trump. And, and same thing in Cuba. For their Fidel to exist, there had to be a Batista. And, and uh, I think those extremes is, are, are destroying this country. So, I, you know, it's not a valid question really to ask people, you know, do you think Fidel is better than Donald Trump? There's no comparison. Donald Trump is an American president who was elected. And, you know, we now have an opportunity that Cubans have not had in 61 years to, to decide whether Donald Trump is, is worthy of re-election or not. And that's a big, big, humongous difference. Well, there haven't, there haven't been any firing squads yet either. So, I mean... Uh, <laughs> well, but he's purging. He's purging yeah. his political opponents, and he's, you know, not concerned with the Constitution, the checks and balances. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, he, he is a threat to American democracy, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I don't know. Well, what, what, what has been your opinion of the media over the years when it comes to getting the Cuba story right? And, um, and when you see... Um, not only like uh, a few years ago, Barack Obama went to Cuba and he's doing the wave with Raul Castro at a baseball game. And they look like they're having a great time. And the media uh, acting like it was wonderful. Did you think it was wonderful back here in the U.S.? 
Um, no, I mean, I didn't. I thought that the, the only thing that I thought was truly wonderful was the speech that Obama gave in Cuba right in front of Raul Castro's face in which he said, he, he said, if you want to know what democracy looks like and what, you know, what, what you can do, what the Cuban spirit can do, all you have to do is look at Miami. And he, his speech, if you haven't read it, it's, it's available online in full, is the, it's unprecedented, unprecedented that he actually went to the island and spoke to the Cuban people live on TV when everyone was glued to their television, and he painted for them a vision of what Cuba could be. And that's why, I mean, if the baseball game led to that, then I'm okay with the baseball game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, you have to take your shots. And what happened, the Cubans were so angry um, at his speech to the Cuban government that that's when they started then sabotaging the relation uh, with the U.S. And, uh, and when they started walking it back, and then, you know, Obama made some mistakes in execution of, of his policy because he gave too much without getting enough um, in the beginning. And, and then he couldn't, then they also got a little concerned when, because of the backlash from that speech, which is truly one of the best of his, of his administration. And, and so, you know, an opportunity was lost. The Cubans squandered the olive branch that the American government gave them. And now they have sanctions and they have the hard line again. And unfortunately, they're responding to that just, you know, worse than they responded to Obama because the new president, for example, they've, uh, they've uh, acquired a new constitution in which they have formalized censorship of artists that they can go to prison if, if, if the government, if the government censors feel that their work is anti, you know, and against the interests of the Cuban government. Um, you know, there are political prisoners again, but Obama's visit, for example, gave the opportunity to, um, to put, uh, it put Raul Castro on the spot with journalists, American journalists during the press conference in Havana, asked him about political prisoners. And he said he didn't know there was any. And Jim Acosta pulled out, pulled out a list of political prisoners and left them looking like a, you know, like a dummy. So there was a lot to gain from Obama's strategy, um, it just did not, did not work out. Um, you know, it just wasn't, I, I was critical of it oftentimes. If you go back and read my Obama columns, you'll see that I was critical because that's my job. My job is to be critical of whoever is, is in power. Um, you know, I'm not an activist. I'm a, I'm a journalist. And, I, and the subject of Cuba is one that I know well. So well, I try to give it my best shot. I'm, I'm out of time, Fabiola, but I just want to say I think it's great that uh, a kid who, uh, a person who was, when she was 10 years old, refused to uh, write a glowing essay about Fidel Castro. And here you are, how many years later, 50 years later, and um, you were more than happy to say, when you have every right to say it, that you detest Donald Trump and you can write about it in a newspaper and nobody's going to do anything to you about it, at least not yet anyway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I love this country dearly. I love it. And, and uh, I have strong roots here now. And my family is sort of a, a mix of America. We have, we have members from every, <laughs> every nationality and race, my expanded and growing uh, family. So I feel very much a part of this country. I you know, I, of course, have a tremendous soft spot in my heart for Cuba, mm -hmm. and it, it is my, my favorite subject. Um, in Miami is my favorite subject, but, you know, Cuba is also um, very close by. And, and um, so I just want the best for my children, for my grandchildren, you know. Well, um, Fabiola, I'm, I just tell you, I'm going to be reading your columns. Uh, and you can find them at the Miami Herald. Is it MiamiHerald.com? Yes. Yes, uh, yes. Fabiola Santiago, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you doing this. You've had a great story. And, Thank you. And you're a great American. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, John. Thank you. Okay. Right. And we'll be right Thanks back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump has ended his trip to India.
Before he left, he touched on the coronavirus issue. He says the situation is very well under control in our country. At the same time, his administration has asked Congress for an additional $2.5 billion for preparations in case of a widespread outbreak. In consumer news, Ford is recalling more than 217,000 pickup trucks, mainly in North America, to fix a problem with the daytime running lights. That recall covering certain F-150 trucks with LED headlights from the 2018 through 2020 model years. Dealers will update software to fix the problem. The NTSB says the driver of a Tesla SUV who died in a Silicon Valley crash two years ago was playing a video game on his smartphone at the time. Stocks ending lower today. The Dow is down 879 points. The Nasdaq off 255. This is SRN News. Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Dr. Sebastian Gorka explains the president's enthusiasm. There are no average Americans for Donald Trump. There's no, oh, just little old ladies. He just sees Americans, and he loves this country, and if you love it, you are as important as the vice president, as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. The Allegheny Institute for Public Policy has been Greater Pittsburgh's trusted source for sound public policy analysis since 1995. About to celebrate its 25th anniversary, the think tank's research, education, and advocacy have steadfastly worked to defend taxpayers and businesses against the inefficiency and intrusiveness of ever-expanding burden some government. You can join the cause today by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting AlleghenyInstitute.org. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Lots of heavy volume out there. And if you're on the parkway, east it is all jammed up outbound. Second Avenue out to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound, also solid forest hills to the tunnel. Second Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway west looking busy inbound. Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Delays outbound over Liberty Bridge and Veterans Bridge. Outbound 28 heavy Veterans Bridge to 40th Street Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Rather cloudy skies tonight with a brief evening shower or two, followed by some late night mist below 40. 
Morning drizzle tomorrow, followed by some afternoon rain with a high 50. Tomorrow night, rain in the evening, rather cloudy with some late night snow showers and a low 25. Thursday, cloudy with a few more snow showers and a high 28. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, we just finished a good history lesson in our first half hour with an eyewitness account of one of Bernie Sanders' favorite places, Cuba. And we're going to do a little more history right now from the same era, the 60s, but this time it's a much happier story. It's the story of a boy and his dog and Camelot. Dr. Mark Bruce is the author of a book. It's called Jackie, a Boy and a Dog and a Warm Cold War Story. He joins us now. Mark,、uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, John. It's really good to be here. It's good to talk to you and to your audience. So、um, it began with a, a backyard baseball game in 1963, and then you ended up becoming friends with Jackie Kennedy. So, how did that happen? Well, it, was,、uh, it, it started out as tragedy. I mean, I was a 10 year old kid back in 1963, and I had two great loves in my life, and that was number one, dogs. I think the first words out of my mouth were, Can I have a dog? And number two was、uh, baseball. In 63 in Central Missouri at the time, the, the St. Louis Cardinals were doing great. It was Stan Musial's last year, and Stan the Man was my guy. And so we had a big backyard, and all the kids would come over and play in our backyard. I had a little dog called Bridget, and she was just a darling dog, and I loved her dearly. and She was my loyal companion, but I didn't know at that time that I was playing baseball and I was up to bat that she had snuck outside.、And、so, wherever I was, she was, but I didn't realize she was behind me. And she loved to play catch. And so, whenever the ball was thrown to me, it was the perfect pitch for me. And I was going to knock it over the fence. And unfortunately, She saw the ball coming and she thought it was time to play catch. So she ran up quickly, jumped up to catch the ball just as I swung the bat. I hit her in the head instead of hitting the ball and she died right in front of me. I was absolutely devastated. And I cried. I, you know, I just, it was,、uh, if, if it had been today, and, and it, I, I, I'm sure I would have been in therapy. But, you know, we didn't have resources like that back, back in 63. And so I just went to my room and I cried for a week. And after I was up, we always used to listen to Paul Harvey News and Commentary at noontime. And I re- distinctly remember that、uh, lunchtime a week later, Paul Harvey comes on the radio and he says, They just had a litter of pups at the White House. What are they going to do with all those dogs? And, I, you know, I needed a dog, and I couldn't think of anybody else that,、uh, you know, would need a dog more than what I did. And so I sat down, I announced to my, my two older brothers and my mom、uh, that I'm going to write the president and Mrs. Kennedy asked for one of their dogs. And、uh, I thought it was perfectly logical. You know, I, I didn't understand、uh, that things like that just don't happen. But、um, so I did. My brothers thought I was crazy, and they let me know that. My mom was very supportive, and I think she probably thought this would help with my grieving process. So I did. I sat down and, with her encouragement, wrote,、uh, wrote to the Kennedy family. And essentially, in my letter, I said, I killed my dog. Can I have one of yours? And、uh, it was a very, very innocent letter. And About a week later, the White House wrote me back and they said, We're really sorry to hear your sad story, but we're not going to give any of the dogs away. So I forgot about it. My, I just kind of went to plan B, and my plan B was let's just go to the dog pound and pick up a, a dog because I needed a dog. Well, that summer there was always an excuse that my parents had for not going to the dog pound. We were going on a trip or We needed to put up a fence in the backyard, or there was something. And so I'm sure I drove my parents crazy with this request, but I wouldn't let go of it. It was every day, can we go to the dog pound? And then in August, it was August 18th, 1963. It was a Sunday morning. My dad was a preacher, and so he was at the, at, already at church. And I was ready for church reading the Sunday, Sunday funnies sitting at the kitchen counter. And 
And we would get a lot of calls on Sundays uh, just because uh, my mom was, uh, you know, involved with one of the Sunday school departments. And there were teachers calling in sometimes that would be sick and or we would have to go pick somebody up on the way to church. So we it wasn't unusual for our phone to ring on Sunday morning. And, and so it rang and I picked up the phone and and it was uh, kind of a strange lady's voice on the phone. And uh, she said, is Master Bruce there? Well, I thought she meant Mr. Bruce, but everybody called my father Reverend Bruce, and I, you know, I was a little bit puzzled, and I said, no, he's already at church. Would you like to speak to my mother? Well, it turned out to be Evelyn Lincoln, the president's personal secretary, and she says, yes, that would be fine. And my mother comes on the phone, and she's uh, much uh, more animated and a little bit happier than she is with most Sunday morning phone calls. And she speaks for a few minutes and then she hangs up and she turns to me and says, Mark, that was the White House. They've decided to give you a dog. Well, I heard the part about I'm getting a dog. <laughs> the White House part, you know, really was lost on me. But that was that was really the beginning. And uh, sure enough, a couple of days later, the White House flies the dog out to me. And uh, the, the picture on the cover of my book is the picture of me taking Streaker, the, the dog they gave me, out of his shipping crate. And it was love at, the, at just first sight for both of us. And uh, it, uh, I had Streaker for 17 years. He was a wonderful, wonderful dog, uh, very loyal. He was, um, I, I trained him well. And, uh, but being well-mannered, I wrote to the Kennedy family a thank you letter, and in September of 63, Jackie wrote me back a very personal three-page handwritten letter, and she ends it by saying, please stay in touch because we'll be interested in knowing how you and the dog turn out. Well, I, I took her at her word, but we had planned actually a photo op in Columbia, Missouri, in January of 64, because the president and Mrs. Kennedy were coming to Columbia on a campaign stop. But Jack was killed, obviously, a couple of months before that, and so that never happened. But every few years, sometimes more frequently than that, I would sit down, write a letter to Jackie, send a picture, and she would always write me back. This went on through the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. And she was a tremendous encouragement to me in my studies as I, I was going uh, to college and my career choice as a physician, and even through my early career and uh, my Navy years and, and a lot of the uh, medical ministry that I carried on around the world. Um, but uh, it, it was really Jackie that was used as an instrument of God's grace in my life and her encouragement that really prepared me to be an instrument of God's grace and the many, many lives that I've been able to touch in my medical work around the world. So this is a, it's, it's a, it's a great story. It's a story that starts in tragedy, ends with uh, uh, just a tremendous uh, love relationship between me and a dog and this uh, wonderful mentoring relationship that I had with Jackie over the years. Talking to Dr. Mark Bruce, he's the author of Jackie, a boy and a dog and a warm Cold War story. That's an amazing story. Um, I mean, it's Jackie Kennedy. Uh, for people who aren't old enough to remember, uh, there was, uh, I don't know what you would compare that to today. Uh, it's certainly, uh, uh, not in my lifetime, and I was only a kid back then, but but not in my lifetime can I remember a... Um, a first family of husband and wife in the White House that had the kind of, I don't know if the word status is the word, but they were um, so much bigger than life. And, uh, I mean, they called it Camelot. So, I mean, it was, it was a big, big deal for anything related to the Kennedys. It was, uh, it was the number one topic in the country was the Kennedys. And not the way it is now with every president, but it was, it was I'm trying to figure out a way to express how different it was back then if you weren't there if you were there and around for it i don't need to explain it to you but uh so for you to get a response from jackie kennedy and then later have a dog sent to you by jackie kennedy basically that's just unbelievable that's a, a, well it, re it really was and it was uh you know 
for me growing up at the time, it seemed to be pretty normal. But whenever I, I got to college and uh, I, I looked around and I, I, I didn't see any of my other buddies that were getting letters from Jackie. <laughs> no. And so it was, that's when it kind of started hitting home. And uh, matter of fact, it's uh, what one of the one of the letters that Jackie sent me. She specifically said that uh, she would treasure my letter always, that it brought back memories of such happy times, and so it, it really was a very very special relationship. I, I, I just looking back on it, it's amazing that this lady that had so much demand on her that she was really the most iconic woman of the 20th century. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. It's, so, uh, it's just, uh, there's no way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, here she was, that she took time to to encourage me, to write me, and to thank me for writing her. And and um, so how did her relationship and those letters uh, translate into or result in you becoming a doctor who uh, um, traveled around the world uh, and, and, and as a way of, uh, of expressing your faith. How did that all work in, into that? Well, you know, it was really interesting because, you know, there's always times, I think, as you grow up, especially as you go through adolescence and your early adulthood, where you have some self-doubt. And whenever you have somebody that is like that, that is so important in your life that comes along and encourages you, you know, it really helps you deal with a lot of that self-doubt. And I, I just had a passion for, for medicine. I, I, I love doing, matter of fact, I still work in emergency medicine. That's, that's my specialty. And uh, I still love what I do. And I still think I do a pretty good job at it. And uh, so I, I, uh, it was really about two years ago that Audi Automobiles did a documentary on this story, and that got me to really thinking that there was uh, a story here that really ought to be told to a wider audience. And that's why I really got serious about writing the book. And so I finally did, and uh, I'm really glad I did. It's a, it's a work of love. It's a story I love to share. And it is a what we subtitled the book. It is a warm Cold War story. And do you uh, still have the letters? I'm guessing you do. I do. And I've reproduced all those letters really in, in high-quality scan in the book. All the letters that I received from Jackie are there. I wish I had the letters that I wrote to Jackie, but uh, I, I don't know if they still exist. I have uh, written Carolyn and uh, the Kennedy Foundation to see if they archived any of Jackie's correspondence, but I have I've never been able to get a response from them. And of course, if you were ten years old uh, right uh, this summer, and the same thing happened, uh, and you were writing, you, you were trying to contact the White House, you would send an email. Now there would be no exactly. letter, correct? I mean, so it would not. It only was able to happen in that era because uh, it's, there's no way that you could have had that kind of a personal back and forth. That's very true, and it was it was a more innocent age too. In general, I uh, I I had the uh, the privilege of being on Dana Perino's uh, the Daily Briefing Show on Fox News a few weeks ago, and Dana used to work for President Bush as mm -hmm. his press secretary. And, and she's a dog she lover. That, I know that. Big right, time. she yeah. is, and that yeah. she she loved my story. But mm -hmm. she was telling me that she worked at the children's desk in the White House uh, for a few weeks while she was getting her security clearance. And she says, I can't believe that the White House even responded to you. She said, we used to get letters like this all the time, uh, inviting the president to the kid's birthday party or to, to have the, the, uh, the president try and settle a dispute between siblings. Yeah. And she said, so she said, I'm amazed that they even responded, let alone actually gave you the dog. Well, did you ever uh, actually meet Jackie Kennedy? You know, we never did. We had that, that photo op lined up initially in 64, but right. that never happened. Jackie talked. We moved. My family moved to Arizona, and she talked in one of her letters of possibly getting together in Arizona. But shortly after that, my father became ill, and uh, he had a rapid progression of a cancer and died shortly after that. So a lot of kind of things kind of got in the way of that. 
Oh, did you, um, is, were there times when you thought you might uh, meet her after that? And, and did this, I guess the question I really want to ask you was, does, were you still corresponding with her well into adulthood? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah I was. Uh, and how did the was, letters change? Uh, you know, I, when Streaker died, I kind of thought that that would be the end of our correspondence. But it wasn't. And so she, she continued. That was whenever I was in the Navy. My, my wife and I were both Navy physicians for a few years. And um, we would regularly correspond, and she would always answer, uh, even in terms of uh, uh, when we um, when I graduated from medical school, we invited her to our graduation. But unfortunately, uh, John was graduating from college at the same day, the exact same day. So she couldn't come to that, but she would, we would send her birth announcements for our children and she would respond and congratulate us. And it, it, uh, the, the correspondence frequency started to fade a little bit because we got extremely busy and she got very, very busy with, with, uh, her adult children really at that time. But, uh, until the mid eighties, that was, that was pretty much, uh, when our car correspondence really stopped. Well, I, I, uh, I'm out of time, uh, Dr. Bruce, but uh, I really appreciate you being on here. It's a great and amazing story. The title of the book is A Boy and a Dog and a Warm Cold War Story. I'm a dog guy, uh, Dr. Bruce, and I, I, um, I, I mention that here a lot. And uh, so that the story hits home with me, too. I get it. Believe me. How- John, I thank you so much. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, the book uh, is available at any bookstore starting next week. We do have a book website. It's got a lot of stuff on it that's uh, really very entertaining, and there's ways to order the book through that. That website is JackieBoyDog.com, JackieBoyDog.com. And uh, it's it's got uh, the Audi documentary uh, linked up. It's got the Dana Perino interview hooked up there, and like I say, other other uh, media links there too. Well, but well, thank you so much. It's really great to talk to you, John. It was good having you on. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the book. It's a great story. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. All right, that's you bet. that's Doctor Mark Bruce. The book is Jackie, a boy and a dog, and a warm Cold War story. And we'll be right back. We have a major problem here in Pennsylvania, very much like other addictions plaguing our communities. The threat is unregulated gambling on illegal slot machines, camouflaged as skill games. They're popping up everywhere, at gas pumps, pizza parlors, and your local convenience store. State police describe these places as breeding grounds for loan sharking and money laundering. If you object to your community becoming a mini Las Vegas, make your voice heard. Call 1-888-472-4418. Report those places that are enticing our kids into gambling, disguised as entertainment. It's an activity that siphons money away from the Pennsylvania Lottery, whose proceeds go to supporting seniors in our state. Please phone now. This is serious. That number again is 1-888-472-4418. Paid for by Pennsylvanians Against Illegal Gambling. Executive Board Member Peter Shelley. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. Whether you're just testing the waters of digital marketing or already have a plan in place that's not getting results, we give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Salem Surround provides your business with all your marketing needs under one roof. Face it, if you're not effectively using digital media, you're behind the competition and losing sales. Salem Surround will help identify any weak points in your marketing strategy and consult with you to bring solutions that will meet your needs and exceed your expectations. Total market penetration for increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. 
We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Like the rest of us, you're probably tired of all those annoying sales calls to your home telephone number. Now, there's a solution. OurOldNumber.com will block those pesky robocalls from getting through. And most live sales calls will hang up. So how does it work? Callers to your home telephone number will hear a personalized greeting from you. The caller selects the family member they wish to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded onto the family member's cell phone. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. No long-term contracts. It's still your phone number and remains in directory assistance. The service is only $9.99 per month, and you can eliminate your landline connection and save money. Now, calls to your home phone number can reach any member of the family wherever they are and get rid of those annoying sales calls. OurOldNumber.com. It's just $9.99 per month. Go to OurOldNumber.com to learn how you can get started blocking sales calls today. That's OurOldNumber.com. OurOldNumber.com. You'll be glad you did. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Not much time left here. I just want to say this is one of those days that I'm really glad I get to do this show, and I'm really glad I get to do a show where I'm allowed to do whatever I want, basically. Anything you hear on this show is either my idea or Aaron Burns' idea. Uh, 99% of the time, it's uh, it's just if I like the idea, and I can range it, or Aaron can uh, do her usual good job of lining the people up, uh, we get it on the air. And I love history, and so we were able to talk to a woman today who lived in Fidel Castro's Cuba and escaped and just and then follow that up with talking to a guy who carried on a relationship uh, by mail with Jackie Kennedy uh, history I like that interesting people we do it every day see you tomorrow the John Steigerwall show is a production of AM 1250 the answer and Salem media group